0: today. Grab a hold of it and turn over to John chapter 1, if you will. We're going to look at a couple of different passages of scripture today that I want to look at. And um, I just want to ask you a question this morning. I want to ask you, who are you? Who are you? Now, when you answer that question, you might say, well, you know, my name is Dorothy Crosby and you know, I'm i you know, we have a horse farm and we have this, that, and the other. Might, might give me your name Paul Pitts. I like to make chili, amen. I I love to go hunting, I love to do those kinds of things. Sometimes we think in terms of what we can see in the flesh, but I want us to see today that we are more than just what this outside body looks like. We are the children of God. Amen. We have the spirit of the living God living within us. We have hope for victory every day. So today I want us to look at these passages of scriptures and I I want us to kind of uh, see who we are in the eyes of the Lord. So 1 John chapter 1 verses 19 through 28. 1 John chapter 1 verses 19 through 28. It says, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? I'm not going to spend a lot of time right there, but I want you to underline that in your Bible, and I want you to ask yourself, What am I saying about myself? It'll make all the difference in the world as to whether or not you are victorious or whether or not you're defeated. And he goes on, he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah Said Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing? He said, uh, If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. And John answered and said, I baptize with water. But among you stands one who you do not know, even who he who comes after me, the, stra- the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, take your Bibles and flip over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you will anoint me to be able to speak effectively and to say what you have placed in my heart But I pray that you will help us to realize who we are in you, and that we can stand in victory because of you. Speak to us today by your Spirit, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can see from these two passages of Scripture that there's a lot of emphasis placed on identification. They came to John the Baptist and they said, who are you? And then they begin to give some examples of who they thought that he might be. And it's interesting that he said, no, I'm not that. I'm not them. I'm not that person. That's not my role. It's not. And then in Matthew, they came to Jesus and Jesus brought it up and said, who are people saying that I am? It's important that people identify me correctly and properly. And they said, well, they're saying you might be Elijah or or John the Baptist or another prophet. They said, and then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, said very boldly, he said, you are the Christ. Amen. And then Jesus turns and he looks at Peter and he said, you are Peter. I like that. He he Very clearly, he indicated a shift in the life of Simon that he would now be known as and operate in and be identified as a a man named Peter who would be instrumental in the institution of the modern-day church. So it's important to know who you are. And so if I were to ask you today, who are you, you might not be able to answer. And here's the reason why. To discover who you are, you must first discover who you aren't. Let me say that again. To discover who you are, you must first discover who you aren't. There are a lot of people that I know that they think they're somebody that they're not. They try to operate in some other kind of identity, that, that sometimes they want to be well known and other times they don't want no, anyone to know anything about them. They, they don't operate in the identity that God has given them. But I want you to know today to discover who you are. You have to first identify who you are not. That's the reason John the Baptist said when they asked him, Are you this one? No, I'm not. Are you this one? No, I am not. How about this one? No, not a chance. Well, then who are you? And I'm thankful that he was able to say, I am the voice. Amen. I don't know. We've got to discover who we are. So there are a couple of components that we need to look at. First of all, there's this idea of self-esteem. Now self-esteem has to do with value. When we esteem something, we value something highly. And so self-esteem would be the idea that I have discovered who I am in Christ Jesus and I value that highly. Who am I to argue with my Creator who am I to argue with the one who made me who I am? He has created me this way, and so it is, it is my responsibility now to value who Christ is has made me to be you say well you don 't you don 't understand I was born into sin and and because of sin, certain things happened in my life and 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 now i 'm carrying the baggage of all the weight of the sin and, and and the circumstances that came with that and hey, I get that, I understand that we make poor choices from from time to time but but we spend so much time valuing our sinfulness that we forget to value who we are in Christ Jesus. We want to talk about our sinfulness all the time, but what God wants us to do is talk about our salvation and who we are in Christ. You see, if I read the Bible right, it says that when I came into Christ, I became a new creature in him. Old things passed away, and behold, all things are new. I'm not who I used to be, thank God. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I value who I am. I've heard people talk, and you do too, and especially at this time of the year. Well, you know, I'm I'm overweight. I I need to lose weight. I'm I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm I can't talk right. He, Moses, when he discovered his call upon his life, he said to God, he said. You must have me mixed up with somebody else. I can't answer this call. I can't even speak properly. I'm I'm a poor speaker. There's no way that I can do what you're asking me to do. God didn't ask him to qualify himself. All he wanted him to do was value the call that he was placing upon his life and he would be, God would be responsible for building that calling and the gifts that he needed to be successful. You remember Gideon? I mean, he he was he was out hiding and and just going through his day to day life, and the Spirit of God showed up and 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 greeted him and said, "Mighty man of valor, man, I'm telling you what you'd think. Well, you." Yeah, 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 He's not here right now Hold on I'll go see if I can find him He must be somewhere else No I'm talking to you man I'm talking to you man of God I have called you to be a man of valor I am going to raise you up And you're going to do something That no one else is able to do But he was never able to do it properly Until he valued who God had called him to be So, self esteem deals with the issue of value. Before I move on, let me just say to you we talk about faith all the time. It's time for you to start speaking about yourself in faith. Stop calling yourself fat, stop looking in the mirror and saying, I'm ugly. Stop stop looking at yourself and saying, I I fall short in this area and I fall short in that. God's not looking for movie stars. He's not not looking for celebrities. He's looking for people who will be faithful and utilize the gifts that God has called them to, to, to utilize and to give them. Stop arguing with God about who you are. And start saying, I may not be able to see that in the flesh, but if God says it in the Spirit, that's all I need to know. It may not matter to anybody else, and nobody else may think that at all, but I know today that I am who God has called me to, to be. And I am fearfully and wonderfully made by His hands. Stop arguing with God about who you are. Then secondly, there is the component of self-awareness. Now, if self-esteem deals with value, then self-awareness deals with vision. If self-esteem deals with value, I value who God has called me to be, then self-awareness deals with vision. In other words, I am able to see beyond what I see with my natural eye. I am able to see beyond a frame that is six foot four and, and however many pounds. I'm not going to reveal that information to you today, but I'm a whole lot less than I used to be, praise God. I, I, I can see with the natural eye these things. But with my spiritual eye, I am aware of my gifts and callings. I know that God has called me to shepherd the flock. I know that God has called me to be a prophet and to foretell what God has said in His Word. I know those things. I know those things about myself. I don't claim to be the greatest preacher there ever was. I don't claim to be the prettiest preacher there ever was. I don't claim to be the most charismatic preacher that there has ever been. But I do know who I am in Christ Jesus. Uh, And it doesn't matter what anybody else tells me about what they think that I am or who they think that I am. The only voice that matters and the only voice that I will listen to is the voice of the Spirit of God uh, who has called me to be who I am. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of the fact that I destroy the English language. I am aware of the fact that I stand way back from you on Sunday mornings because I like to spit while I'm talking. I'm fully aware of all of my shortcomings. But if all I ever do is focus on my shortcomings, I will never accomplish the things that God has called me to do. I, there are a lot of times that I go home from preaching and I'll say, oh dear Jesus, that was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. I always listen to the live stream back through the week and I, I don't listen just to the music but I listen to the preacher too because I learn things from myself. I learn that there are things I shouldn't say the way that I say them and there are sometimes I learn that I need to be a little more bold and there are times that I know that I need to back off a little bit but I don't ever listen with, with just this critical spirit where I'm saying oh what a terrible preacher I am but I say I know that I'm not perfect I know that I can improve I know that I can do things differently I know that I can com- can communicate differently but I'm telling you what that is a man of God who has the hand of God upon his life and he operates in the you say what well, Well, aren't you just a little bit too big for your britches? No, I'm not. Because that's what God says about me. That's what God declares about me. He says I am his servant. He says that I am his child. He says that I am his prophet. And therefore, I must choose to operate in the gift that he has called me to. And I must be aware of who I am in him. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to move on pretty quick. I'll tell you if the church is ever going to be what the church needs to be to the world in these last days, we're going to have to get out of this sense of frustration that I'm not good enough, that God doesn't love me enough. That the church this, that church. No, we've got to square our shoulders and say we may not be perfect, but we are the voice of God crying in a time in history when they need to know what thus saith the Lord. You've got to be who you are. That's the reason Pastor John and I several months ago sat down and said, what do we feel like God's calling us to do? What what is God calling us to say to the congregation? And we began a study several months back in in the old year about your spiritual gifting, about who you are in Christ. I'm telling you, I mean, you you pay me well and all of that and I'm willing to work hard. But listen, God hasn't called me to come over to your house and file your toenails. God has called me to be the voice who declares the word of the Lord. He has called me to teach you and preach in such a way that you take up the mantle and do what God has called you to do. If I had time this morning, I could go through this congregation this morning and share examples of men and women in this church who have said, I'm tired of just playing church. I'm tired of just coming to church. I'm tired of just going through the motions. I want God to use me like He's never used me before. I want to be the man or the woman that God will use to change the environment around me. Amen. Amen. We have to be aware of who we are in Christ. Self-esteem talks about value. Self-awareness talks about vision. Now there are four considerations for us this morning. The first has to do with comparison. Now if you, if you read both of these passages of Scripture, there is the temptation for, both, for all of the characters that are involved to compare themselves to someone else. When they came to John the Baptist, they said, Are you this one? And he said, No. And then they said, Are you this one? Always open your water before you start preaching. Always. There. Are you this prophet? No. Are you that prophet? No. I mean, he didn't hesitate. He didn't stop and think about it. He didn't say, hmm, you know, maybe I am Elijah. Maybe I am this. Maybe I am that. No, he didn't at all. He refused to play the comparison game. They said, are you this one? No. Are you this one? No. Are you that one? No. Well, then who are you? I'm glad you asked. I am the voice crying in the wilderness. He knew who he was and he refused to compare himself to other individuals. I'm going to tell you, it's so easy for us to do. Did you know that it's only been in modern history, that, and, and, and particularly in the Western world, where we have been so interested in the way that we look? You know, in in, in, in history past, there was not such a... a a big ruckus over on how you dressed and how you looked and what your latest hairstyle is and what your latest color of hair is and all those things. And they just went about life. When a man was about to get married, he wasn't as concerned about whether or not she was pretty. He was concerned about whether or not she was smarter than him. Because I need a woman who can take care of the business of the house. I need somebody who can go down and and make deals and spend our money wisely. He didn't care if she was pretty and had six inch stilettos on. And and the latest hairdo, he wanted a a hefty woman who could get in there with the mules and the oxen and say, "We we got some rows to hold. They they weren't concerned about the look, but now we gotta have all the latest hairdo's and we gotta have all the latest styles and all the latest shoes and all the latest products, and I'm just talking about the men. Yeah, we gotta have all this stuff. Why? Because we are inundated by our media with how we're supposed to look. And and how we're supposed to smell. And I mean, even down to our deodorant. Oh, you know, don't use that kind of deodorant because that's scented. And you can't have scented, you gotta have unscented. I got some the other day. I got a different, it's the same brand, but a different kind. I noticed because when I got home and I looked at it, it said, for sensitive skin, guaranteed not to rub you raw underneath. I thought, well, praise God. I wouldn't want to be rubbed raw underneath anyway. How about you? But 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 we've got this idea that we got to look a certain way, and and we've got to smell a certain way, and we've got to have a certain product for our hair, and and we got to have all of this and all of that. And the reason is, is they put all these good-looking movie stars on TV. George Clooney comes out, and he looks. start looking at it and it's like man I need to look like that and the wife starts thinking I wish that i a married that boy a good-looking boy but back in history those kinds of things weren't important it's important today because the media has caught on that if they can put all of these figures and images in front of us that it will cause us to want to be like them And God has not called us to look pretty. He has not called us to smell good. I thought about it this week as I was preparing, and I thought, I wonder what John the Baptist smelled like. I mean, he wore camel hair and ate honey and all that kind of stuff. You know that he didn't take a bath but about once a month, and here comes John the Baptist walking in and stunk like a pig pen and started to cry. I'm the voice. You need to listen to what I have to say. Listen, God is not as concerned about what you look like and what you smell like and what your IQ is uh, as He is that you will be responsive to the call that He has placed upon your life. Stop comparing yourself. People can't stay put in churches because they are comparing the church with another church. Well, I got to compare this one with that one. I got to compare this one with that one. This one gives me a better bang for my buck than that one does. And this one. And we never stop and think about did God call me here? Because if God called me here, it's not so that you can be comfortable, but it is so that you can be conformable to the will of God in your life. Amen. I've said enough about that. Comparison can produce both positive and negative results Not everything about comparison is bad Sometimes comparison can be good How many of you ever watched Bob Ross, the painter on TV? Anybody had the big curly hair and all that? You know why people watched him? Two reasons Number one, it was a good time to take a nap And number two they wanted to compare what Bob was painting to what I'm going to paint. I don't know if anybody ever tried to paint with Bob Ross or not. Did you? When you were done, whether it was good or bad, you set it up there, and you looked at Bob's, and you looked at yours, and you said, hey, I'm better than Bob Ross. My painting is at least as good as Bob Ross. Or... I better stop painting with Bob Ross. Comparison can be good because through comparison, we can find weaknesses in our lives that need to be dealt with. But comparison can be bad because it causes attitudes and anxiety in our life that God never intended to exist there. So we have to be careful with this idea of comparison. The second thing that we have to understand is... Th- this idea of competition. Now listen, I-, I understand we live in a very competitive world. I, I mean, you can't live a day without UL versus UK. When I was in Michigan, it, it was University of McG- Michigan uh, versus Ohio State. Uh, you-, you, can't- you can't live a day. Right now the NFL is in the playoffs and everybody's asking questions what do you think what do you think what do you think uh, we just went through the college football playoffs and 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 roll tied they won number six you, you know with with Saban. so you got to give them credit there, there's this idea of competition but did you know that the majority of the time in scripture when scripture deals with the issue of competition almost always it is condemned Almost always competition is condemned because God knows that a competitive spirit is a beautiful place where seed can be placed and attitudes like envy and jealousy and selfishness will grow in a field of competition. Churches can't compete against each other. We can't say, "Well, how you Baptist has this and this, this and this," and so we got to compete. We got to beat them. We got to be better than them. We got to do more than they they do. No, we're all in the family of Christ. We're all in the body of Christ. We're not called to compete with them. We are called to bless them and edify them and encourage them. I can remember one day when I I hadn't been here very long. Uh, maybe a year or two, and we were eating at Red Lobster down here in and we were having a nice meal on a Sunday afternoon, and and I noticed that that the church, or that that there was a table of people. They were obviously church people sitting over here, and they were enjoying their food. and And I listened. I, I kind of honed in. I got big ears, so I can I can hear sometimes at a great distance. And they were talking about how great their pastor preached that morning, and how how good it was, and 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 how that it was so challenging for them. And I'm so thankful to. God. God, for our pastor and the, the man that God has sent by. And I'm so thankful for our song leader. And man, that, those songs were beautiful today. And the singers didn't. An, and I mean, every word that came out of their mouth was positive. And when I went, got finished, I went over to the table and I said, Listen, I don't mean to horn in on your conversation, but I just wanted to tell you I've been listening to your conversation. And I am a pastor And I want you to know that if I were your pastor, I would be very thankful to have people like you who attended my church because you have been so encouraging with your words. The conversation started, where do you pastor? I said, I pastor here. At that time, we were going by Outer Loop Church of God, you remember? And said, down here on Outer Loop, right next to they said, oh yeah. Said, we know about that church. Said, we've been praying for you. And say we are so thankful and excited that that thing is revving back up again. Say, we drive by your church every Sunday morning and we've noticed that the parking lot is full every day. And we walk by and we see what God is doing. We just want you to know we're pulling for you. We're behind you. We're on the same team. We're praying for God to bless you as you reach this community for Him. This spirit of competition has to be put down in the name of Jesus because it is a breeding ground for sinful attitudes like envy, jealousy, and selfishness. The other thing that we have to talk about is confidence. How many of you would, uh, how many of you would say that in looking at yourself and thinking about yourself that you're a confident person? Can I see your hand? See, not very many. And that's the whole point that I'm trying to get to today. I, I, I think that once you understand who you are in Christ, I think that once you understand that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of adoption, once you know that you are in the family of God, you can't live life absent confidence. You have to realize that it's not about me. It's not about my talent. It's not about what I can do. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me and works in me. It is in Him that I live and move and have my existence. Uh, You are the air that I breathe. Oh, I pray for a church in 2018 where individuals will start standing up and saying, yeah, I never realized what God had called me to do, but now that I realize it, I can't sleep at night. I'm thinking of ways that I can accomplish what God's called me to do. I can't sleep at night because I'm thinking about how God wants to use me. When I'm on break at work, I can't read the newspaper like I used to. i got to get my face in the Word of God and say, God, give me the wisdom that I need. Give me the knowledge that I need to be able to be faithful to the call that you placed upon my life. Oh, wow, how different this church would be. And when I say this church, I'm not talking about necessarily this church. I'm talking about the presence of men and women who are in the body of Christ all around the world. We would stand up and realize who we are in Him. Confidence. We've all heard the story of the little kid that picked up his baseball and his bat, went out to the field and decided that he was going to hit a few balls. In fact, I think Kenny Rogers might have sang a song about it a few years later called The Greatest or something like that. But you know the story. He went out and he took the the ball and he said before he threw it up in the air, he said, I am the greatest batter of all times. And he threw the ball up in the air and he grabbed that bat and And he missed. Strike one. He reached down and he picked up that ball and he threw it up in the air and he swung and he missed. Strike two. He reached down for a third time and he picked up that ball and he said, I am the greatest batter of all times. And he threw the ball up in the air and he swung and he missed again. Strike three. And then he reached down and he picked up that ball and he looked at it and he said, I am the greatest pitcher that ever lived. You see, we've got to understand who we are and then have confidence in our calling. You know, when I married my, my wife, she, she had required that I date her for two years prior to because she wasn't quite sure about me. And, and worse than that, her mother was not quite sure about me. And she used to call me all kinds of names. My mother-in-law did, not Donna. She now calls me a bunch of names. But before we got married, it, w- it was my mother-in-law. And, and, and the name that she used to call me more than any other name that really put a burr in my saddle was that she would say, you're arrogant. And I never thought I was arrogant. I just thought I was confident. And and then as I got older, it dawned on me that there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. And I asked myself this question, could it be that the primary difference between arrogance and confidence is wisdom. Let me say that again. Could it be that the primary difference between arrogance and confidence is wisdom? You know, one of my biggest fans now is my mother-in-law because she has said that you've grown out of your arrogance and you have turned in to a confident minister. Of the gospel. And you know I've looked back through my life. And I realized. That as much as I didn't want to hear it. She was spot on. There was a time in my life. Where I was more arrogant than I was confident. Because I thought it was about me and my ability when I had to realize that it wasn't about me and my ability at all. It was about my spiritual gifts. that doesn't come from me, but comes from the Father in heaven. And we begin to operate in that. Then we understand who we are. And arrogance fades away and confidence begins to grow. Confidence for the Christian should be motivated by calling, by knowledge, and by godly wisdom. Let me say that again. Confidence for the Christian should be motivated by calling, by knowledge, and by godly wisdom. You say, well, don't you need talent? You know, I used to think that you did. But I've come to realize that God can give you whatever ability that you need to do the job that He has called you to do, and He can do it... On the spur of the moment, I remember several years ago we were having a district, revi- a, a di- district revival, and and all the churches were there, and we were and we were listening and and we were singing and we were they were preaching and we were having a great time, and there was a lady that was playing the piano, and she she's one of these kind of piano players. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she just. And man, I'm telling you, everybody just loved it. Just Jerry Lee Lewis in a dress. That 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 was her. Thank God she didn't throw her leg up on the piano and start playing, you know. And back in the day we always did testimony services. And she stood up and she testified and she said there was never a time in my life where I thought that I could or would be a piano player but I was in a church service one night and the Holy Spirit of God started moving and I felt the voice of the Lord speak to me and say I'm going to make a piano player out of you if you will use it for my glory. And she said I will. When are we going to start? And the Spirit said right now. And she got up out of her seat and she walked up to the piano and everybody thought, what in the world is she doing? And she got behind the piano and she started this. And I'm telling you, before long, she said that place had erupted. She was playing some of the best Pentecostal piano playing that you'd ever heard. But it wasn't because she practiced. It wasn't because she had a natural gift or a talent. It's because the Spirit of the living God gave her the ability to do what He had asked her to do on the spur of the moment. I may not be prepared for that. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. All you have to do is be willing. All you have to do is be willing to say, God, you can pour your Spirit in me and through me, and I will respond to your voice. And finally, and I'm not sure, Donna's not here this morning. I don't know if I'll ever be able to quit. Who's going to help quit me this morning? Come on. She raised her hand proudly and smiled at the same time. I think she has a plan. The last thing that I want to talk to you about is that when you get to this place I'm talking about, there will be a confirmation of God's calling upon your life. I've had evangelists call me and say, God told me to come preach at your church. I said, oh, is that right? When did God tell you that? Well, the second Tuesday of last week, God told me to come preach at your church. I said, well, let me tell you, when God tells me, I'll call you. But until he does, it ain't going to happen. I got to be careful who I let in the pulpit, the people that God has called me to shepherd. Amen. Amen. There will be a confirmation of your call. There will be a confirmation. You say, where do you get all that? Well, because in the case of John the Baptist, they said, well, who are you then? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the desert. Prepare the way as was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. What he was saying is, many, many years ago, God prepared this moment. Many years ago, God prepared me for this moment. Many years ago, God made this opportunity available. And God called me to stand up here and to declare that there is one who is coming after me, whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. There is one coming uh, that must increase uh, while I decrease the prophet Isaiah confirmed many years ago the word that I am speaking to you today there will be a confirmation in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus said who do they say that I am and Peter spoke up he said here's what people are saying and then Jesus said Peter who do you say that I am So, oh, you're the son of the living God He said, man has not told you that, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed that to you. And he said, you are Peter. And upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. And then we keep going in Scripture. And we learn that they come and they start talking and confronting Jesus. And Jesus says... There's coming a time when I've got to lay my life down. I've got to die. And this man Peter said to Jesus, that will never happen. And Jesus turned around to him and he said, hey, Satan, get thee behind me. Here's a man who's just been called by Jesus, but he hasn't matured yet to the place where he understands how his calling should operate, he wanted to be in control he wanted to call the shots, he wanted to tell Jesus how it was going to be, and Jesus had to say jesus wasn't calling him the devil Jesus wasn't trying to say you're full of demons and devils no he was trying to say you have an option before you, Peter, you can either walk in the calling the heavenly calling that I have placed upon your life or you can choose to walk according to the wisdom of this world but if you do that you will never be able to be on my team and I will have to move you behind me so that I can fulfill the call of God upon my own life listen you have a choice today you have a calling upon your life every believer in the kingdom of God has been called by God to operate in the realm of the Spirit. And you can either accept it and take it and refuse to compare yourself to others and refuse to want somebody else's gift. Or you can say, I am going to walk in the power of my anointing and my calling. Or you can choose to not do that. Let me tell you, if you choose to go against God's will for your life, and if you choose to go against Him, He will set you aside and say, I cannot let you hinder the work of my spirit because the time is short, and what needs to be done must be done. Will you help me or will you hurt me? And thank God, Peter saw the light. And he applied the wisdom and the knowledge that he needed. And he operated in the confirmation of God's Spirit upon his life. So I ask you today, who are you? Who do you think you are? What do you say about yourself? Oh, I love that statement. What do you say about yourself? How are you talking to yourself in the morning? Are you putting yourself down? Are you selling yourself short? Are you wondering who, what, why? Or are you operating in the fullness and the confidence of the Spirit of God as He has called you? I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. That's where I want to land. I don't ever want to look at myself and say, Oh man, what a failure. What an ugly man. What a what a what a what a sorry individual. No, I want to say, look, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I fall down sometimes seven times a day, but that's okay at the end of the day. I'm gonna get myself back up and wipe myself off and stand back up because it's not the man that falls seven times, uh, but it's the one who stands up who will have victory in their lives. I'm calling you to stand up today. I'm calling you to discover who you are in Christ Jesus by first discovering who you are not and then walking in the calling that God has placed upon your life. Will you stand with me? Ushers, will you come and prepare? We're going to close with communion this morning. As they find their way to the front and get in place, if you would come forward and receive the communion elements and find a place here.